Welcome to Episode 7 of Season 3 of the End of Techno Podcast. I'm Alan Hallowell, founder of Southeast Asia Startup Consultancy, Gizmo Advisors. Today we have the chance to delve deeply into the key enablers of online financial services, such as credit scoring and other critical components to successful online lending to Indonesia's SMEs or small and medium-sized enterprises. I'm super pleased to have joined us today the founder and CEO of Nikel, Rainier Musters. Rainier, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Alan. You're very welcome. Let's kick it off. Rainier, you were a 13-year veteran partner at McKinsey, and I frankly could probably exhaust the entirety of this podcast simply asking you about your various experiences at such a legendary consulting firm. But let me just ask you this one question. What aspect of this tenure at McKinsey has proved the most relevant to your current role as founder of Nickel? Thanks. I think for me, it's probably building teams. At McKinsey, we were often asked to solve difficult problems in a short amount of time. And the key resources that you had at your disposal was really the team. And getting the right people together and figuring out how to work together was crucial for the success of McKinsey project. And it's also crucial for the success of any startup, getting the right people together and figuring out how to work together. Thanks for that, Rainier. Another question from the LinkedIn scraping that we do here at Indotechno and prepping to host our guests. You founded an entity called the La Luz Foundation. What's that all about? That's a real blast from the past. So La Luz is a nonprofit organization which I founded to help connect young professionals with pro bono projects in Europe. It was really born from my U.S. roots. I studied in the States and in the U.S. I felt everyone seemed to do something to give back, to make a contribution back to society. And when I moved to Europe, and I was working at McKinsey, I also wanted to find a way that in the limited spare time that I had, I could do something. I found it hard at the time to find pro bono projects, which I could do on the side. And so I ended up setting up an organization that did just that. So it connected young professionals with pro bono projects. Fantastic, quite uh, precocious of you there. Let's move into the here and now. You founded Nikel roughly three and a half years ago. Can you share with us the origin story here? We actually started off as a debt fund, effectively looking to finance loans originated by peer-to-peer platforms in Southeast Asia and focusing originally on Indonesia. And as we grew, we kept building more and more technology to monitor the loan books. However, we learned for every new partner, we needed to build a new technology solution to fit the way the partner did lending. This was of course not scalable. So we started to make our technology adaptable so that we could quickly configure it to meet the needs of our partners and their borrowers. And you can guess what happened next. We quickly discovered that the technology was extremely valuable and started selling that, and hence the business evolved from a debt fund to an embedded lender. You've kind of preempted my next question. I wanted to ask you about this term embedded lending. I have a sense of what it is from what you just described, but maybe you can add a little more color to how our embedded lending approach maybe differs from some of our peers. That's a great question. I think embedded is really becoming a bit of a buzzword. What we mean with embedded is that we embed lending into our customer solution. Think of it as something similar to a payments provider offering their solution to enable an e-commerce site to accept payments. The payments provider embeds the payments experience into the customer journey of the e-commerce site. 
Now imagine that that e-commerce site wanted to also offer their customers credit, buy now, pay later. The e-commerce site does not want to refer the customers to a bank. They want to be able to offer the customers credit right then and there. In a consumer context, this is now becoming quite commonplace. Lots of great buy now, pay later solutions coming up, which enables e-commerce sites to offer lending. However, in the small business lending space, this is only just emerging. And at Nickel, what we do is we really focus on the small business lending space. Understood. So we also mentioned in our literature that, quote unquote, our end-to-end solution takes care of everything from onboarding, underwriting, funding, and collections. Can you give us your favorite example of a client whom you've enabled with the Nikel solution and how it has changed their business? I'm not sure we really have a favorite customer, but one of the examples I'd like to bring up is Red Doors. They use our technology to offer revenue-based financing to hotel owners on their platform. Hotel owners use the financing to improve their properties to meet the Red Doors quality standard. As the hotel earns revenue from bookings through the Red Doors platform, Red Doors takes a cut to repay the balance before the hotel owner gets paid. This creates a closed loop system, which reduces the risk for Red Doors while still enabling them to support their customers with affordable financing. Excellent. I can definitely see the utility in that type of product. Now, Rainier, what are our top three client categories by industry vertical? You mentioned Red Doors, which is obviously in the hospitality vertical. What other verticals make ample use of Nickel Solutions? The verticals we see is one is e-commerce. And this starts with anybody offering financing or wants to offer financing to borrowings on up to bigger SMEs. We also work with marketplaces, and this can be ones that are peer-to-peer lenders over to non-peer-to-peer lenders. And finally, banks who either want to offer loans directly to their customers or want to channel to other providers. Now, Renier, you mentioned what I think are best described as revenue-based loans in the case of Red Doors. What is the most common use of the loans we enable? Is it for small merchants to buy inventory? Is it to purchase CapEx? Is it instead other purposes? It's basically all working capital loans. And I think the reason for that is is we are financing small businesses. So what we're really looking to do is to figure out a way to help small businesses grow or sustain their business. Also, working capital loans tend to be less risky since usually either through an invoice or through a purchase order, you can really see what the purpose is of that underlying loan. Many of our folks are using the loans to buy inventory, to finance a receivable, these kind of things. Understood. Now, I noticed that we work with at least six banks in Indonesia. What is the nature of these relationships? We work with banks at two levels. One is we enable them to fund loans created by others. So think of it as a peer-to-peer has actually found a borrower, has created a loan with that borrower, but wants to finance that loan, then they use our platform to channel that loan to a bank. So that's one thing. And the second thing is we work with banks to digitally lend to their own customers. So if a bank wants to lend to one of their own customers, but wants to use a digital channel to do that, they can leverage our systems to lend directly to those customers. Gotcha. Now, part of our value proposition relates to the reality that traditional bank customer acquisition costs, or CAC, are four times higher versus e-commerce players and 30 times higher versus retailers. What explains these massive differences in CAC? I think it's one of the real insights of embedded lending. 
which is that it's just a lot cheaper for people that are interacting directly with the small businesses to do the loans than have the banks. And I think the background is an e-commerce site has a borrower who's in the process of purchasing a product. They know that customer, they know the transaction behavior, and most importantly, they know that that transaction is about to take place. For a bank, you're sort of reaching in the dark. You don't know what the customer is doing and you're really hoping that customer slash borrower actually knocks on your door at the right time. And short of that, you're sort of reaching out to people coldly and saying, hey, do you need a loan? And so that's why I think in the long term, it's just going to make a lot more sense for companies that are interacting with small businesses to also offer them the loans directly rather than banks doing that. Makes eminent sense. Now, Rainier, what data does Nikel see when our customers lend that we can leverage to refine the product and offer new ones going forward? When customers lend on our platform, what we can see is basically how a loan performs. And what we mean by that is, do they pay back on time? Do they pay back in full? And that helps us understand whether we should provide them with more credit or bigger amounts of credit. That's the first and most simple level at which we can work with our customers. We can also do a deeper integration with some of the customers that we work with because a lot of them are digital and that enhances the predictive power of our analytics. That's quite fascinating. One example that we've looked into is for a car platform in Indonesia. And what they effectively do is they organize auctions so that car dealers can buy cars at auction. And one of the complexities that they have is that not all the car dealers actually have enough cash on hand to buy the car if they win the auction. What we've done is we've worked with them to develop a solution where effectively a car dealer can apply for credit in advance, they get credit scored, et cetera. And as soon as they win the auction, they automatically get access to the loan and therefore can buy the car. This is great for the car dealer, obviously, because they get access to the credit that they need, but it's also great for the functioning of the auction because the last thing you want is that somebody wins the auction, but then they don't have the resources to pay for the car. That is a very cool example of our technology in action. Now, one of the most crucial elements in building a successful lending business is synthesizing robust credit scoring. Credit scoring is basically analysis performed by lenders to determine the creditworthiness of a person or a small owner-operated business. For instance, can they reliably pay me back? With all due respect to many of our past guests, I have to say that I don't think that many players have created very strong credit scoring capabilities, even in this more digital internet-based age. How do we do this as well as or better than other options out there, Rainier? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I totally agree. I think small business lending credit scoring has a long way to go. When we look at small business credit scoring, typically what you do is you look at trying to understand what the viability is of that business. And a great source in many markets is to look at the Chamber of Commerce information or tax records. So you can basically see how that business has performed over a number of years, and then you can see how creditworthy they are. Now, in many markets, this information is not as prevalent or not as reliable. And so the best alternative for that is to use bank transaction data. And what we've been able to do is work with local banks to collect data on over 3 million small businesses, which gives us over 3 billion data points. And our models then 
the models that we've built, they focus on different segments. They can be different sizes of customers, different industry segments. But effectively, what we're really looking for is three important things. One is what is the probability of default? So that helps us understand what is the risk of the loan. The second is what is the maximum loan amount? So how much should you actually lend to this borrower? And finally, what is the affordability? So how much credit can this counterparty afford to repay? These three items then form the starting point for us to offer loans to customers. But the great thing is we're obviously working with a lot of digital platforms and they have specific data. If I go back to the example of Red Doors or the car company, et cetera, they all have specific data, right? So a Red Doors will know the occupancy rates of a hotel over time, or a car platform will know what the resale value is of a secondhand car. And so what we then do is we layer that type of behavioral data into our credit scoring to enhance the credit score, all with the intent to basically lower the risk and offer more credit at affordable rates. That definitely marks an advancement in some of the descriptions of credit scoring that I've heard in the past. Now, Rainier, I note that we're also an MAS registered fund manager. Am I therefore correct in saying that we are not just a solutions provider, but we are also an actual lender to the borrowers using the Nikel solution? Absolutely. I think for us, what it means to be a solutions provider is you really have to offer the whole solution. And obviously, if you're in lending, part of completing a loan is you actually need the capital to complete the loan. And so what we did is we got a fund manager license in Singapore so that we could also help finance the loans that we were originating. Understood. Now, another simple question, Rainier, how do we generate revenues currently? So we charge SaaS-based revenues, basically a percentage of the loan. And our thinking is we make money when our customers make money. It's really very much pay as you go. Got you. And another basic question, who exactly is our competition? If we don't have totally direct competitors, who is in our neighborhood? That's a great question. There's so many companies saying that they're doing so many different things. It's really hard oftentimes to figure out who's competing. I and mean, we think certain P2Ps are interested in doing similar things, but not sure their tech stack was really built for embedded lending. We see lending software companies providing solutions, but they're very much based on a global standard rather than really creating end-to-end -end local solutions. Then we see the API companies. They're definitely coming into our space, but the challenge is that APIs are typically very static. They're very one-to-one -one communications, whereas a loan is very dynamic. Things change over time. So you need to constantly be managing and administrating that loan. We'll see more competition will definitely come. I think we found a solution that is very valuable. I think it really is the future of lending. And I think it solves a very big problem. Not only do we expect to have more competition, but there's plenty of space for more competitors to enter the space. Understood. Rainier, what targets do we have at Nico in terms of business scale by the end of 2023? I think for us, the key is to onboard more customers faster. And so we're working with a number of companies right now we're looking to at least double, if not triple our revenues in the next year. But most importantly, we're trying to create amazing success stories with our customers because we think that will really form the foundation for future growth. Understood. Now, Rainier, do we have any partnerships that are truly critical to our competitive advantage right now? We work with a company called Thought Machine for our ledger technology. And we believe that 
it's critical to use a banking grade ledger technology so you can offer enterprise solutions to big e-commerce sites, marketplaces, and banks. What we specifically really like about Thought Machine is they offer that level of credibility and they do work with some of the biggest banks in the world, but they're also very much a technology first company. And so they allow us to solve the problems using technology with that as a starting point, rather than with financial services as a starting point. Think of it sort of as tech fin versus fintech. Yeah, that's a great way to think of it. Now, we've never covered this on the Indotechno podcast, but Nico has undergone a renaming and rebranding. When I first spoke to you, we were known as Impact Credit Solutions or ICS. And I bet many in our audience would love to better understand the entire process of rebranding. What motivated the change? What were the main challenges that we encountered during this transition? And what have the results been in your estimation? To be honest, it was relatively seamless. I think it's our way of just telling the world that we're now really a tech company versus our origins of being more of a debt fund. I think for me personally, the catalyst was one of my team members telling me that when they told their friends and family that they were working for ICS, the initial reaction was that they were working for the tax authority. <laughs> and I thought, that doesn't sound like the startup that we want to build. I think that was a final straw that suggested, look, it's time to change the name. And we changed it to Nickel. I haven't looked back. Excellent. Rainier, really enlightening to get an update on the state-of-the-art of technology in its application to lending to Indonesian SMEs. I particularly enjoyed some of the use cases that you walked us through from the hotel segment and our Red Doors example to supporting the auction process and the online auto segment. Thanks a bunch for joining us today. Thanks, Alan. Really appreciated it. You're very welcome. We hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Indotechno podcast with us. Terima kasih telah mendengarkan. Sampai jumpa lagi. Bye.